You are listening to a recording provided for the use of the blind and print impaired. Materials or items read on Airs LA are the copyright property of the original authors and publishers. No unauthorized use or duplication is permitted. Hello, I'm Don Leary. Welcome to this podcast of articles from Women's Health, a presentation of Airs LA. Today's article is by Anushari Dave from the October 2021 edition. Brighter Days Ahead The importance of mental health has been a much-discussed topic over the past year and a half, leading to an explosion of new virtual and non-traditional treatment options. Not sure how to wade through it all? Let WH be your guide. Your ideal care match awaits. If, in a social setting, you bring up a nugget of wisdom you learned from your therapist, you're more likely to hear a chorus of affirming responses and other pro-sourced advice tidbits from friends now than you would have in pre-2020 times. That's because seeking mental health services is on the rise, big time. Proof is in the numbers. Nearly 30% of psychologists said they're seeing more patients now than they were before March 2020, per a poll of around 1,800 mental health care professionals. The near 20,000 mental health apps available online saw a surge in use when lockdowns started, with some top ones seeing millions of downloads just a month into the pandemic. Calm, one of the most popular apps, had over 100 million downloads at the end of 2020, up from 40 million users in 2019. Clearly, there's increased interest in, and need for, support. The starter therapy signups and app downloads are a big first step in the right direction. But mental health journeys are a lot like fitness ones. Joining a gym and showing up is often the hardest part, But the real work and progress begins when you find the right trainer or coach, discover what exercises work for you, and refine your routine. Therapy is no different, and there are a lot of beginners out there motivated to feel better, but still not sure what the best method is for them, especially given the plethora of digital options or how to find a therapist. So whether you're therapy curious in the thick of healing, but feel the experience could be better, or simply looking to step up your care and graduate to a new approach, let this be your guide. With more choices available than ever before, there's never been a more exciting time to prioritize your mind and mood. Ahead, experts help you navigate the ever-changing mental wellness world, and women share how they found their ideal treatment, so you can find what helps you feel your best too. To stay remote or not to stay remote. Apps like Call Mary, Talkspace, and BetterHelp offer major benefits, hello convenience, and a more affordable price. But they can come with their own set of issues, like potential data and privacy concerns, and a lack of targeted care as providers take on tons of clients. Figure out which option really fits your needs 
and how to make your path most productive. I'm a total newbie. How do I choose between remote and in-office visits? When most people begin therapy, they usually do a consult with a therapist to see if they're the right fit. Think of this period as a time to feel out not only your connection with the therapist, but whether the remote interaction feels easy or if you're craving an in-person meeting as well. Do a 15-minute phone or video consultation and ask them what the benefits of in-person and online are based on what you want to target in therapy. Says Christiana Ebola Ewosan, PhD, a therapist in New York. While some find they're less likely to cancel appointments when they do it from home, in-person visits allow your therapist to pick up on nonverbal cues, such as the way you fidget with your hands when you talk. Says Dashaka Aurora, PhD, a therapist at Serene Therapy Center in Maryland. Research shows that both options can be equally effective, so it really comes down to your preference. I started therapy remotely, but I want to start seeing someone IRL. If you're ready to make a transition to the office, be sure to communicate openly with your current therapist. It's not cool to ghost or cancel abruptly. Being transparent about your needs gives them the chance to help you out. Actually, it's your therapist's job to help you navigate the transition, says Dr. Aurora. Therapy is literally a place where you can express your fears and worries about it. Your therapist may even be able to offer referrals or recommendations. And while the move can be awkward, take this as an opportunity to tell your new provider what you liked and didn't like about your last therapy experience. Knowledge from your former sessions can make fresh ones even better and help you start working on what you want sooner and in a deeper way. I want to stay remote because it's easier to fit into my schedule and I like my therapist, but I don't love the experience. If you've tried therapy through a screen, but you're finding it hard to open up or getting distracted, there are some things you can do to make your sessions better. First, try different methods. If you're someone who feels self-conscious or tenses up over a video call, turn off self-view for your sessions or try phone call therapy or texting. I like how a phone conversation allows me to pace while I talk. Joanne Finkelstein, PhD, a therapist with a private practice in Chicago, says of how she engages with her own therapist. Good headphones can also help you tune out distractions. Nosy family members or roommates on your mind? Dr. Asawan has a client who turns on music to drown out her conversation so her partner can't hear her while she's in therapy. You could also use a fan or an air conditioner as white noise. Or get creative with where you have therapy, like in your car or at a park. Experiment with where you feel most secure and have a solid internet connection. Time for a self-check. Fact. A diagnosable condition is not the only way to have mental health woes. Struggles of all types can show up in ways 
that aren't talked about as much. Learn how to detect a subtle shift. Mental health assessments can feel very black and white. You're either depressed or you're not, per most online quizzes and questionnaires. But experts say mental health, like physical health, exists on a spectrum. And intervening with an issue early makes it easier to heal and usually saves you a lot of suffering. So how do you know it's time for pro-help if you're not sick but sliding the wrong way? It can be easier to spot a decline if you journal regularly and look back every few weeks to look for sudden changes or patterns in your mood. Another smart way to check in on your mental state is to reach out to a loved one and ask how they feel you are doing because you value their opinion. Says Ayana Jordan, MD, PhD, a psychiatrist at Yale University. And stay alert for these little known red flags. Remember, no reason is too small to seek help. You feel like you have a broken record in your head. If you can't finish your work because you're constantly thinking about the last conversation between you and your ex, or the fight you had with your mom three weeks ago, that could be a sign you're ruminating and developing negative thought patterns. This could surface as repetitive self-criticism too, like thinking, I have the worst luck in the world. Nothing good ever happens to me. I'm such a screw-up and failure. On a loop. In these instances, it's worth exploring with a professional why you're hung up on one negative interaction or thought and learning how to process it in a healthy way so you can let it go and move on. One-time or sporadic thoughts don't indicate a need for therapy, says Dr. Aurora. But thoughts that are persistent or frequent create stress or interfere with your functioning indicate a need for therapy. You're stuck in the past or constantly worried about the future. If you find yourself frequently reminiscing on your past and trying to recreate or revise it in the present, this could be a sign that you're unhappy with your current day-to-day and not confident in a better, brighter future. All signs of a budding mental health challenge. If you're trying to relive a particular moment, unpack what it is you feel is missing from your life now, says Dr. Aurora and make a plan to accept your present situation and reach future goals so you're more content with where you are and where you are going. You feel guilt about things you can't control. Can't shake the fact that you benefited from the pandemic or found positive aspects in it? That's worth examining with a therapist, says Dr. Jordan. Getting this feeling off your chest, whether that's through writing about it, telling a counselor, or opening up about it in a group therapy setting, can help you release it and realize you're not alone, or bad or wrong, for feeling this way. You never feel good enough. Questioning one's worth is common, but not a positive sign in terms of mental wellness and most people don't have the tools to challenge those thoughts. If you're constantly striving for perfection, talking with someone to figure out why you feel you need to be perfect 
and actively trying to unlearn that can help stave off anxiety and depression. Positive, compassionate self-talk, like telling yourself that no one is perfect and prioritizing and valuing progress over results, can help you let go of that vibe. I spent five months in inpatient treatment and finally learned how to manage my mental illness. Eileen Kelly, host of the podcast Going Mental and founder of Killer and a Sweet Thing, an online sexual health and sexuality storytelling platform and resource. Struggling with my mental health isn't new to me. I've been in therapy since my mom died when I was eight years old. But when my anxiety symptoms started getting more intense in 2019, when I was 24, I wasn't sure what to do. I wasn't eating. I wasn't sleeping. I wasn't able to function at all. I couldn't go to work, where I ran a website and podcast about sexual health. But you wouldn't know how bad it was from the outside. At the time, I was also dealing with suicidal ideation and had to create a crisis plan to protect myself from the scenarios I kept thinking about. Even though I was going to group therapy multiple times a week, I knew I needed more intense treatment. At the end of the day, when therapy was over, I still had to go home and be by myself in my apartment with my phone and social media that was making me feel terrible and my thoughts. My therapist and my father didn't think I needed inpatient treatment at the time I think they just couldn't see how sick I was, but I felt strongly that it was the only way I was going to get better. I knew that being alone at that time was dangerous for me. A friend had told me about his experience at McLean Hospital in Boston, and it sounded exactly like the kind of treatment I needed. So I checked myself into the program. I was terrified. I knew there was a two-month minimum and that I wouldn't have my phone the entire time. I thought my career might be over by the time I got out. I wondered if my friends loved me enough to think about me while I was gone. At the same time, I felt lucky to be able to put my life on pause to work on myself. I ended up spending five months in treatment there. It was a residential program, so I lived in a house with other women who were also struggling with their mental health. Sometimes, it felt like a little sorority. We went to classes and met with our team of doctors throughout the day and watched movies and ate popcorn together at night. A lot of the program was focused on dialectical behavior therapy, DBT, which gives you actionable tools to manage crises and anxiety. One trick I learned was to dip my face in ice water if I'm having a panic attack because the shock of the cold helps to slow your heart rate. Some of the tools were even simpler, like just getting your legs over the side of the bed and sitting up first thing every morning to help make sure you get out of it. It wasn't always easy. There were times when I wanted to quit, but the whole experience felt so safe. I must have written 1,000 letters to my friends and family over the months. There's something so special about that correspondence. I'll keep the letters they sent to me forever. Now that I'm out of treatment, things are so much better. It's not that my mental illness is gone, but I have so many tools to handle it when it surfaces. At McLean, 
I felt as if I got my PhD in myself, how my brain works, and how to take care of it. I want people to know that help is out there, even if you feel like the therapy you're doing now isn't working. Inpatient treatment may seem intense, but sometimes it's what you need, and it's much more common than you'd think. There's absolutely no shame in needing that type of help. It's powerful to seek it out and really do the work to get better. It's a continual journey, but things can change for you too. That brings us to the end of today's article, Brighter Days Ahead. If you'd like to find out more about Airs LA and the types of programs we offer, follow us by clicking on any of the social media links at the top of our web pages. If you like what you see or hear, please click that button. This podcast is for the sole use of our blind, low vision, and print impaired listeners. Any unauthorized use is prohibited. I'm Don Leary, and I'll be back soon with another article. Thank you for listening.